Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Now let's review just a little bit. Uh, let's go to First Peter chapter. This is uh, two twenty-five. Let's see. It says, for you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. And that's what we talked about uh, last week, was we really want to be uh, like sheep. We want to be not like lions, not like bears, not like uh, some ferocious animal. We want to be what God has called us to be. We want to be worthy of a shepherd. That's what we want to do. And we know that Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd and also the guardian or bishop of our souls. And if we are like sheep, then we, uh, we, we have need of a shepherd. So that's where we went with it uh, last week. And we started on, I guess it's uh, just, a, just a breakdown, an unpacking, as I like to call it, of the 23rd Psalm. We, we did verse 1. Uh, before that, let's talk a little bit about if I am wanting to be like a sheep, then what must I do to be like a sheep? What must I continually to do to be like a sheep? Because it doesn't come natural for me to be like a sheep. It doesn't come natural. Except the straying part. That comes natural. It comes natural. God says so. But now what must I do? Let's look at Romans uh, chapter 12. Let's go there for one verse, chapter 2. Because I think it's very, very important for us to realize that we have to participate in what God is calling us to be. It says in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't be fashioned according to this world. Don't be pressed into the, to, to the world's mold. We want to be transformed. So it said, but be transformed. That's the alternative. Be transformed. Just like a caterpillar into a butterfly, butterfly, we want to be transformed into what God has called us to be by the renewing of our minds. That's what we want to do. So we may prove that which is good and, and, and acceptable, which means pleasing and perfect will of God, which is the same three words. It's the same, the same thing but three, three, three different ways. That's what I want to do in order to continue uh, to be what God has called me to be, in order to be what God has called me to be, I must transform this mind. I want to, to think differently because I know that sheep, they say, sheep are, let's say, we might say they're weak, 
might say they are defenseless. We may say they are not smart. Well, if they are weak, do we normally look at ourselves as weak? Or do we look at ourselves usually as strong? We've been taught from childhood, be strong. Be strong. You're a strong woman of God. You're a strong man of God. You're strong. You're strong. We lift weights. We uh, go to exercise classes. We do a lot of different things. We want to be strong. And nothing's wrong with that because exercise profited a little. But what God is saying is that we need to transform our mind according to his word. So his word tells me about uh, strength, about weakness. If sheep are weak, I must then think of myself as being weak. That's what I must do. Now, that's hard. It's not natural for me to think of myself as weak. As an as a athlete, or past athlete, I'm not an athlete now, but as a past athlete, <laughs> I, I, I want to look at myself as strong. Well, what does Jesus say? Let's turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 6. Let's go there just for a little bit, and we're still uh, reviewing and then add to that until we get to the 23rd Psalm. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us just a little bit about strength and about weaknesses. Verse 10. Be, it's a finally, be strong. Oh, then I shouldn't look at myself as weak. If I stop there, yes, there'll be, there'll be I, I would have told you wrong. But it says, be strong. Well, in the Lord. That's important. Be strong in the Lord. Nobody told me when I was growing up. Nobody told me on, in the athletic field, in the, in the, in the uh, clubhouse. Nobody told me, be strong in the Lord. Nobody told me in the, in the weight room, be strong in the Lord. They just said, be strong. Get some strength on you. But God says, be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of his might. And that might mean strength. So I, I need to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his strength. So it's not me. See, now if I look at myself as weak, I can now take this and own that and make it a part of my life because I know I can never be strong unless I'm strong in the Lord. Do you understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about renewing? He says in verse 7, put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So I can put on football equipment. I can put on wrestling equipment. I can put on any, any, any kind of equipment I want to, but I'm not going to be strong in the Lord. He says, put on his armor. If I were fighting a normal opponent, an opponent just like, we are in flesh and blood, then we can say, well, we need to be strong with muscles. We need to strong, be strong maybe in, in hand-to-hand combat maybe, or in weaponry, or with uh, knives and guns and sticks and stones. But see, we don't fight with opponents in a natural. It tells me in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against 
the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So that tells me we can't see our opponent. And if I can't see my opponent, that tells me that I can, I can lift as many weights as I want to. I can, I can be able to lift a thousand pounds. I can be able to bench press a thousand pounds, but it won't help me against the devil. You understand? It won't help me against, <laughs> oh, the unclean spirits. It won't help me. But if I'm strong in the Lord and the strength of his strength, I have on his armor, whether it be the truth, whether it be the spirit of righteousness, and all his weaponry that just follows that, that, those verses, now we can be strong. We can be strong. Because the enemy doesn't see us. He sees God's armor. Isn't that what Jesus said? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The devil knew who he was messing with. When he was messing with Jesus. He knew he was, who he was messing with when he was messing with Paul. He knew it, the Apostle Paul. He knew it. Does he know who he's messing with when he's messing with us? It depends on where our strength lies. And I say it's going to lie in the Lord. So I want to be weak like a sheep. And it says sheep, of course, is defenseless. And so I wonder if I had a uh, maybe five or ten black belts in uh, karate, jiu-jitsu, and all those type of things, whether I'll have some defense on me against unclean spirits, against the devil. What do you think? You think we can uh, grab a hold of them today and, and put them in a hole? You know, what do you think, Jesse? What do you think we can put them in a hole that he can't get out of, huh? Yeah, we can't see him. <laughs> we can't see him. So we can't do that. So really, are we defenseless against the enemy? Only if we are doing it in our own strength. If we are doing it in his strength, we're not. Let's look at Psalm 127. One. Defenseless. What does God say about... Um, our defenses and things of that nature. Well, he said in, in, in verse 1 of Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds a house, they that labor, they labor in vain to build it. So I don't care what kind of house you build, it's not going to be able to withstand the forces of evil, unless the Lord builds it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain, it says. So that means, that tells me, that I don't care what kind of castle I have, what kind of uh, refuge I have, what kind of stronghold we put ourselves behind to protect ourselves against the enemy, it's not enough unless the Lord guards the city. Ask the people of Jericho. Did, did, did their wall protect them? No. No. The wall didn't protect them. God is the only protection. 
We can read in the Old Testament many times about uh, kings and things like that. And if God says that, I know they're coming against you, but let me tell you, they will not shoot an, an arrow against you. Not an arrow. He'll tell about, you, you're going to have to fight. You go out, but the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Right? And all we have to do is go out and then see what God has already done with his mighty angels. Now I'm telling you, I know that we are defenseless. We can have ten locks on our front door, back door, side door, on the windows, bars, and all. We can have anything we want to have. But I'm going to tell you, unless the Lord protects it, you lock it up in vain. There's not enough locks that can keep somebody from getting in that want to get in. I'm telling you. Not enough. So I want to be defenseless on my own. I want to be like a sheep so I can say, Lord, you protect me. Isn't that what we have to do? Right? We have to do that. Who can protect themselves? You go up in a plane, who can protect yourself? You can say, well, we got a pilot, we got air control, uh, control uh, air traffic control, man, we got this plane, this is one of the new planes, it's great. We can be in an automobile, we can have all these um, things, they say like Volvo's, they have uh, uh, these things on the side and the doors, they can have all these things. Let me tell you, it won't protect you. If God's not protecting you, it won't do it. Is that correct? People died falling out of the chair. Yeah. Eli did. Fell backwards. You know? Died. I also want to be foolish. And when I say foolish, not small. I want to be like a sheep. A sheep is foolish. I believe a sheep is foolish. They're not smart. They're not smart. Not smart. You said, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're going a little bit too far now because uh, we, we're supposed to be smart now. No, that depends. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. Uh, let's uh, first go to uh, chapter 1 in 1 Corinthians and see what, what, what it says there. Uh, we'll probably hit um, maybe verse 18 or 26. We'll, we'll do something like that. First Corinthians chapter one. Let's go there. Now it tells me here that the word of the Lord, or the word of the cross, is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, "I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside." Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where? is the debater of this age, has not God made foolishness or foolish the wisdom of the world? Verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren, there, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, for God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Uh, so I say I want to be weak, Lord. Let's look at chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1. I want to be like a sheep, Lord. I want to be 
not smart in my own wisdom. I don't want to be wise in my own wisdom. I want to be foolish in the things of the world. Verse 1, now concerning the things sacrificed to idols, we know that we we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant. King James said, puffs up. But love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. And let's go one step further. Um, and, well, let's start, stay right here, just, just right here a minute. I know this very well because uh, when I, I used to be younger, uh, I guess in my 40s, late 30s, and I loved studying the Word. And I would get this attitude that I was smart. I was wise. I was wiser than my teachers. That's what I get to say because I saw, you know, in the, in the Word that you can be wiser than your teachers. So I said, well, I'm wiser than my teachers because I'm studying the Word all the time. I know more than they know. And I'm going to tell you, uh, that's, that's the epitome of arrogance. And that was me. I'm telling you. That was me. And it's only because God showed me later on, uh, after I crashed and burned, he showed me that, uh, <laughs> he showed me that you have a desire to study the word only because I gave you grace. I thought it was because I used my willpower. Because we have a, we have a will, we can choose what to do with our time. And I was choosing to study during my time. When we have snow days at, at school, because I used to be a school teacher, I would spend the whole day studying. I said, I'm not in school for the seven hours. I'm going to study seven hours. But see, I used to think that was cool. I pray longer than anybody pray. Yeah. Uh, I study longer than anybody study. I can raise my hands and praise for an hour. And I see people, they can't even raise their hand. Their hands get tired. All this criticalness. I'm telling you, I'm serious. I, I was so... It was sickening to <laughs> Now, somebody told me that, of course. Uh, that I, it was said, I don't want to be around you because you're sickening. You know, it's a, you know, all you can talk about is the Word of God. You always ask somebody, well, what you studied today? What, what, what you read in the Bible? And it was, it was a pitiful sight, let me tell you. So I know what he's talking about when he says knowledge puffs up. The more I study the more I know what I don't, that I don't know anything. I'm serious. It's a lot to know. I mean, you, can, you can think we know things like the Pharisees. What did the Pharisees really know? Come on. They were sickening. Come on. They knew the word, but they just didn't have the wisdom or the understanding of what the word really meant. They couldn't apply the word to their life. They were hypocrites, right? So, no, no, no. I, I don't want to do it. God, I am... Like Paul, because that's how Paul was. I'm like Paul. Let's turn to, I think it's all Philippians 3. Let's turn there. Oh, now I'm going to be like Paul, see? Verse 1. This is finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. I write the same things again. It is no trouble to me 
and is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship uh, in spirit, uh, in the spirit of God, and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as of, of, of the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecutor of the church, as for the righteous, righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The King James might say, dung, so that I may gain Christ. He says that he wants to be found in him in verse 9 and verse 10. He says that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. He says in verse 12, not that I have already attained it or have already become perfect, for I press so that I may lay hold on that which also I was laid hold on by Jesus Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do do, forgetting what lies behind, but I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press for the goal for the prize of the upward calling of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is telling me he hasn't arrived. That's, that's what all it said. I haven't arrived. If the apostle Paul had not arrived, how do I expect that I'm going to arrive? How do we expect that we're going to arrive? We're not going to arrive. We, 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 we're going to be studying to the day he takes us home and still not going to know everything. We're really not. So I say I want to be like a sheep. I want to be foolish of the things of the world. I, education is very good. I want education and I have education. But let me tell you, I want to be educated in the things of the Spirit. I really want to. Okay. All in the degrees, all that there is is something behind your name. That's all it is. But I want the devil. I want the enemy. I want to, I want to say, hey, I, whoo, I know him. He's he getting ready to get up. You know? You see? That's what you want. Don't, hey, don't mess with them. Don't mess with them. They, don't mess with them. Come on, don't you want them to say that about you, Steve? Come on. Hey, Steve is coming, right? That's what we want to do, right? That's what I want because that's where where it really matters, really. We want want Jesus Christ to say something. Let's go to, now, now that we know that we have to do something in order to maintain this like sheep attitude, we have to do something to, uh, gain this sheep-like attitude because we have to renew our minds. Now let's go to the uh, 23rd Psalm. Let's look there now and say, what is he calling me to do then? Okay, was well, the 23rd Psalm. Now we have a shepherd. We did go through, of course, the first verse. Went through that. That's good. Now let's check on the second verse and see what God has. If you don't have the first verse, if you weren't here last week, then... It's okay. Uh, just get a CD as sound booth for a CD, and they'll have it ready for you uh, next week. First verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
He makes me to lie down in green pastures. In other words, he causes me to lie down in green pastures. We can be uh, going into green pastures and not lie down in them. And we're talking about a sheep, of course, but we're talking about an analogy. We can be led to green pastures. I believe that pastures for us would be these six or six books that's found in his Bible. These are green pastures, I'm telling you. They are green pastures. It, you don't have a need for anything. Like a sheep, when they went to green pastures, green pastures, it's like you said, whoa, woo, woo, this is green. Hey, this is food out here. Because, see, if you go to brown pastures, you go to pastures, you don't see nothing at all. You just see dirt. You know you're not going to get fed. But he's, out, he, he's going to make them lie down in green pastures. So I said, well, boy, I want God to make me lie down. In other words, I want him to cause me to lie down. I want the Spirit of God to do I don't want to be trampling all over this thing and all over it. You know, so I read the Bible all the way through this year. Isn't that great? You know, who cares? If you haven't eaten anything, all you did is just walk through the green pastures. You see? No, no. I want to have them to make me to lie down in it, see, so I can rest in this thing. Because, see, it tells me, and uh, you don't have to turn to it, in, into uh, John chapter 14 to verse 27, it tells me to, about peace that he's left with us. His peace he gives, so it's not peace that the world gives, but the peace he gives is a peace that passes all understanding. I want his peace. I want to be lying down in, in, in these green pastures, see, because I want to be fed. That's what I want to be. And I brought this um, book right here. It's a cookbook. All of you have one. And um, it's a picture, a nice little picture on the front. And you, you've seen, seen pictures before in, in cookbooks. It looks so good, don't it? Don't it look so good? And, and the thing is that presentation is important. If I told you, I'm going to bring you a piece of cake. You know, a piece of, we're going to have Ivan make this cake. You know, I didn't say me. We're going to have Ivan make this cake. And we're going we're gonna, to, uh, because she's, 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 yeah, she can do this thing. Uh, what I'm going to do is slice it. A big slice, Ms. Dorsey, for you. Big slice. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a fork and I'm going to cut it all up and split it up. And I'm going to put it in a little bit of container, mash it up and Put it there and put it in there and put a cover on it and say, okay, here's a piece of cake, Miss Dorsey. Now, it's the same cake, right? But it won't make you say, oh, that looks so good. You'll say, my goodness gracious, what is that? You know? Uh-uh, no. Don't give me nothing, no. Um, and that's one thing that I've just taught me is that presentation is everything. It, it, you know, if you get some, if you don't have a good presentation, you know what you, when you're in a good restaurant. The presentation is there. Oh, you know, when they have that thing all laid out, it just looks good. Then it makes you want to eat it, okay? Even if it's not, if it's not edible. You want to eat it because it, <laughs> you got a good, good presentation. Well, see, that, that's, what, that's what green pastures are, green pastures. See, we know, it's, we know it's food in here. We know it's food, but we want, we want a presentation to be good. And the Holy Spirit, can, he, can, he can lay this thing out so it looks so good to us. He really can. 
he makes us to lie down in green pastures. Some people are in the pastures, the pastures, and they are not lying down. They are walking around. They are wringing their hands. You know what I'm talking about. They, they read the scripture, but they are not partaking of it. They're not resting in it. So, therefore, they, 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 they stay anxious about different things. You know, like I said in Philippians uh, 4, 4 through 9, it'll say, Rejoice in the Lord. Always again, I'll say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. God's at hand. And it tells us that be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Why wouldn't he, why would he tell us, why would the, the great shepherd tell us, be anxious for nothing? Because he's a good shepherd. He says that everything is in me. Everything you have need of is in me. I don't want you to be anxious for anything. I'm, I'm going to put you in green pastures. I'm going to cause you to lie down. Will you lie down? So I can guide you by my spirit and you can be nourished where you have a need because we have different needs, don't we? That's what God wants us to do. He says that you know, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that our request be known to him. Then the peace of God which passes understand will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said, then he wants us to think of things that are honest, that are true, and are good report, all those type of things like that. So we don't have to think about Oh, I wonder what we're going to eat at next time. I wonder what we're going to do. I wonder if he's going to, he's going to really uh, hear my prayer. I wonder what he's going to do about my children. I wonder what he's going to do about my job. I wonder what he's going to do about this. I have a presentation to make. I wonder what he's going to do. We don't have to do all that stuff because he makes us to lie down in green pastures. It says that not only that, he leads me beside Still waters, or quiet waters, or waters of rest. That means that not only am I going to eat good, not only am I going to rest, but I'm going to have my thirst quenched as a sheep. Well, see, we know that he says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of what? Living waters. And so I know that my water supply is in the Spirit of God. It's in me, and I know I have to tap into that Spirit. I have to tap into the Holy Spirit because there's rivers of living water. It's not dead waters, it's living waters. And they're not, you know, rushing waters for so you drink. It's like you're drinking out of fire hose. You know, you can take a sip here, you can take a sip there. It's, it's, it's really quiet and still and restful waters. That's what he said. Oh, my goodness. That's why he says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's why David was saying, I shall not want. That's why we should say, I shall not want, because everything we have need of is right here, and the Spirit of God will show it to us. He will let us partake of it, all the peace we need, all the provision we need, everything we need is right here. And I said, oh, I, that excites me. I like that. He said, I like that. And he said, tells me, he said that, <laughs> He restores my soul. Oh, he restores my soul. Let me tell you what it's like. It's like 
He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then, it's like you're talking to someone. You say, let me tell you about my shepherd. Let me tell you about my shepherd. He leads me, well, beside the still waters. He makes me to do what? Lie down in green pastures. Let me tell you about my shepherd, the great shepherd and bishop of my soul. It says that he restores my soul. See, we're, we're just bragging on, you know, just the goodness of our shepherd. It's like talking about your father. And so it, it, our heavenly father, it says here that he restores my soul. He restores. If you're going to restore something, come on, some of you are, 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 are probably covered. What does it mean, restore? Ed, if you're going to restore something, does it mean it's new already? Does it mean it's just brand new? Somebody said, I want you to restore my house. And you go over there and the house is brand new. Nobody's ever gone in it. You say, what? Isn't that crazy? Right? Isn't that crazy? Come on. If you're going to restore something, right? If you're going to restore something, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Dave? You, you got to do what? Put it back like it was new. Come on. You got to do something to that thing and put it back, you know. And then in historical places in Lynchburg, you got to put it back like it was. If it's in the historical district, you got to put it back like it was. You can't make something all different. You got to put it back. Restore. That tells me that not only did he save my soul, not only, you know, did he save me from sin, but once I get into his sheepfold, okay, because you can't, you can't be in the sheepfold when you can't be with him there if you're not born again. So, but once I get born again, he tells me he restores my soul. If he restores my soul, that means that something's going to happen to my soul. It's a possibility, isn't it? It's a possibility that my soul might start wandering off. I might get into some, a little sin, maybe a big sin. I don't know what I might get into. But is that, is that Christianity? Come on. Oh, 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 I must be in the wrong place. Y'all must be. Have y'all ever seen in here? Sure you have. Sure you have. Well, if you sin, he's a sanctifier. The Holy Spirit will sanctify you, won't it? Yeah, you can come to him and confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, isn't he? Isn't this where it said that? Yeah. We don't have to run from him like the devil said. Oh, you're messed up now. You know, you might as well, you might as well give it up, man. Nobody's going to buy you. You ruin, you ruin. I mean, you just ruin your, your testimony. You can forget it. You might as well now go on all the way for the devil in the world. No, no. You run to your father. You run to your shepherd. And you confess your sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And he restores you. I said, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. I like that. See, I like that. I, know, I want to know there's a possibility that if I stray, that I can come back. So I've already experienced it, so I know this is true. Haven't you? Okay. You've already experienced it. He restores my soul. Suppose, I, I, you know, something bad happens to me, and I get grieved. I get, I get oh, so what will he do for me? He will help me. How about the song? Is it well with my soul? Well, something happened, right? Something happened. So if something happened, it was bad too. It was bad if you if go to, uh, I think you're all pretty, pretty savvy with your computers. Uh, check out who wrote it and what was the occasion. And you found it was a sad situation. Well, 
there hasn't been laid on after the ship got back over the same place where uh, I think it's child and somebody died. It's a um, student that he said, "How's your soul? It is well with my soul. God has done something to heal the broken heart. Oh, that's so good. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He, he, he guides me. He guides me. Now, not only are we righteous by the blood of Jesus, it's imputed to us to be righteous, isn't it? You're not going to work it up, are you? You can't work up righteousness, can you? No, you can't work it up. You can't work up. Not, 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 not righteous. You can, you, can, you can try to be righteous by the law. You can try to be doing everything to try to be righteous. It has never worked. Never work. You can only be righteous because of the blood of Jesus, because what he did for us, that's the only way we're going to be righteous. And there's also a right way. There's also doing right, justice, judgment. There's doing right. And he wants us to do right, doesn't he? According to Hosea, I mean, he wants us to do right. He wants us to do right. Micah chapter 6. He wants us to do right. He wants us to do right, so he said he leads me in the path of righteousness. So I said, what? Paths? How many paths of righteousness? Can it go left, right, east, west, north, south? No. There are paths, though, aren't there? So that means if it's plural, that means that, oh, there are more people going on this path. I see tracks. Now, this path is not, you know, Interstate 81. It's not, you know, the expressway over there. This path is a path that you're going to have to be led. You're going to have to be guided. Oh, <laughs> you can't get on this path. You can't. There's no way you're going to stay right just because you want to be right. Let me tell you. Again, you can't be right just because you want to be right. If that were so, we didn't need Jesus Christ to die for us. We need the Spirit of God. This is a spiritual journey. And we need, uh, we like blind people, you know. We, we need a guide. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us in these paths of righteousness. A good shepherd, he said, hey, I'm not going to leave you as often. I'm going to send my spirit. My father and, and me, we, we, you know, you keep our commandments. We're going to come make our bowl with you. So we're going to be led in these paths, but we need to be led by our good shepherd in the paths of righteousness. All the paths leading the same way. All the paths leading to Jesus. But it's for his name's sake. It's not for your sake. It's not for my sake. It's for his righteousness' sake. For his name's sake. Oh, he does a lot of things for his name's sake. It's his name. He's going to get glory. Whether we give it to him or not, he's, we're going to get glory. So he's going to get glory. Now, I say, oh, God, I thank you that you're going to lead me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. See, when I'm not faithful, he's faithful. That's what the word of God tells me. It's for his name's sake, you see. He's not going to uh, just get upset with us and say, well, I'm not going to do this on that. His name's sake, he's going to do it. He's going to love us because he is love. You see? I said, ooh, my goodness gracious. Yay, though, even though I'm going to stop here. Now, look, <laughs> this is, I'm telling you, I want this to be life given to you. I don't want it to be something that you, you know, just say, oh, I can recite the 23rd Psalm. So what? You know? Can you live it? 
How, how, how are you when, when, when things don't go your way? Can you live it? How are you in, in the deepest, in, when, when, when you get hurt the most by the person you love the most or whatever the situation, and, and, and you're in the wee hours of the morning, you're crying, you know, about whatever situation, can you live it? Is he your shepherd? That's what I want. So we'll I'll take it up here. Next Sunday. I want to be tomorrow, but next Sunday. Okay. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.